0: Hello, my friends, and welcome to this, another edition of the Underdog Football Show. My name is Josh Norris. His name is Hayden Winks. Hayden, basically 32 games are in the bank. We've got one more tonight with the Saints and the Jaguars. So much actionable information. It feels like, Hayden, we're all reacting, not going to say too much. I would say just the right amount based on us having preseason action pulled away
1: from us. Last year, ADPs are changing. How you feeling? Everyone's going crazy on Twitter because football's back. <laughs> I mean, it is, it is absurd. So we'll try to not overreact. We'll try not to underreact. I think that there is some takeaways that we can go through. Most of them will be playing time-based. But I think that when we need to talk about some player performances, we can do that a little bit too.
0: Yep. This Monday show, as always, is our rankings refresh during the preseason. Hayden has an awesome column up on Underblog outlining what he believes are the actionable nuggets that can help you win either in best ball on Underdog or just your average season-long managed league that you take place in every single season. Uh, before we get there, though, do want to remind you that if you are a new user over on Underdog, enter promo code this show. You can see it down below in that little bar. Get a free $25. Go into the puppy five times or go and try to win million of a $3.5 million prize pool in Best Ball Mania 2. Again, it is the best way for you to prepare for your season-long league or just enter a whole bunch of drafts because you get to figure out what I'm going to do from the 102, what I'm going to do from the 111, if I'm going to start with heavy running backs at first, heavy wide receivers at first, even Travis Kelsey, so on and so forth. Just try it out. Once you start, you cannot stop. All right, Hayden, let's start here. We're going to go quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and tight ends again all the key information we learned in preseason week two and we start here with the Chicago Bears Matt Nagy reconfirms quote-unquote that Andy Dalton will start in week one in his post game press conference head coach Matt Nagy said quote we need to see him in the regular season in regards to Andy Dalton Hayden your reaction
1: why but I also get it at the same time uh Justin Fields, his athleticism, his accuracy, all that stuff is translated 100%. He's missed a couple of protection stuff. He got absolutely obliterated on a blitz that was most likely his fault. So there are some things to iron out. But the whole thing with Justin Fields is, I think that even right now, he might even be better than Andy Dalton. And even if he wasn't, the things that Justin Fields needs to improve on only come when you're sitting in the pocket against NFL guys, and you have to learn this stuff on the fly. So I think that they should start him early on. If I was going to set an over, under, on win... Justin Fields starts, it'd probably be like week three and a half, somewhere right in there. I think he'll play plenty of games. And I think that right now, quarterback 14, somewhere right around there, the upside's worth the gamble and you can build around it.
0: Yeah. Um, Justin Fields is being drafted as quarterback 15 still right now. I also, say, Hayden, if, if we look at the narrative and the trajectory of what Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace have said, I think the door is open a little bit more for Justin Fields to play earlier on. Your point about his athleticism showing is absolutely valid. And I think when people watch quarterbacks, especially in the preseason, preseason, and this goes back from like rookies and rookies and rookies over the years, they expect perfection. And expecting perfection from these players immediately is is ridiculous. One, because it's not like Justin Fields is out there with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney every single snap. And two, they, they are learning the speed of the game, their new playbook, a worse offensive line right now. People are out. But the segments of Justin Fields game that can help him win immediately are super evident and they're clear with that athleticism. And because of that, he's not one of these statue quarterback prospects that has to hit everything perfectly with timing and everything. It's, it's, it's like a trump card. It's a little cheat code that he has to buy himself some time to, to have the game slow down, to, to work and feel super comfortable pre-snap and post-snap. And I think that it's absolutely valid still where he's going. in in drafts right now, Hayden, because maybe the rest of the nuance, the the poise, the presence of the position can can come around. And what can save him either for his entire rookie season, which I'm totally cool with, is that unreal athleticism that we saw this past week have 46 rushing yards on four carries already. And that's going to be an element of this game that we absolutely love from our perspective.
1: And the things that he's struggling with, it's not the thing where he's panicking in the pocket and his feet are going sideways and he looks like, out of control he looks poised in the pocket he just needs more reps and that's not that that, that's surprising he didn't play as a true freshman last year there was a weird entire college season so I, I think it's totally fine where Justin Fields is at everything that the Bears drafted him to be has shown and he just needs a couple more more reps so I think that they should start him week one I think that he'll probably start maybe a couple weeks after that but that's totally fine for fantasy just draft another quarterback too
0: I mean, I could also see the Bears being down 14 at halftime. I mean, right. putting Justin Fields in at right. halftime. I mean, this idea that Matt Nagy needs to see Andy Dalton on the field to like confirm what he believes his evaluation is. It's so ludicrous. And we, again, it just points to us not being able to trust these decision makers after they handled, you know, the Mitch Trubisky, Nick Foles, now Andy Dalton dynamic with, with Justin Fields in the picture. I also want to bring up, Hayden, we saw a lot of Andy Dalton last year. It wasn't good. And that was with CeeDee Lamb. That was with Amari Cooper. That was with Michael Gallup. And the offensive line for the Bears is having some major issues with With they penciled in Tevin Jenkins as a starter, and he has basically not played. And now they're bringing in like 37-year-old Jason Peters. So there's a lot of issues here that if a skill set was going to try to maximize it the most, it's clearly Justin Fields' skill set and not Andy Dalton's.
1: Yeah, Justin Fields is going to scramble a ton because the offensive line is so bad. So, and Andy Dalton's a sitting duck. So yeah, this, this is so obvious to us, but yeah. I, I think the realistic thing is like week three, week, week four.
0: Yeah. And I know we're spending a lot of time on this one. Let's spend a little bit of time on the next one too, with Kyle Shanahan declining to name a week's one starter right now, again, quite different than some of the verbiage we have heard in the past, but also suggests there still isn't a quarterback competition. Now he's saying it from the perspective that Jimmy's the starter. I'm saying it, Hayden, and I've already said this about the quarterback competition, that there isn't one because, once again, Cal and John Lynch, when they think of the future of their team, it is with Trey Lance in the fold. Now, again, this is a player who has not played perfectly during two preseason games, but we see the high-variance, high-ceiling nature of his game already, and also a difference, I would say, between Fields and Lance's preseason so far is we've seen a very minimal, a very limited segment of Trey Lance's ability running the football, especially inside the 10, 20-yard line. And I guarantee you that was a major emphasis. We talked about this with Nate Tice. I've talked about this with Vish. The major emphasis and reason why Kyle Shannon wanted a player with his skill set was to just vastly improve in that area along with you know the the sweeps, the motion with Brandon Ayuk and Depot Samuel as well.
1: The 49ers know what Trey Lance brings to the table as a rusher, and that's why they're hiding it. Because the only thing that we don't know with Trey Lance is what is he going to do not in play-action scenarios? Because most of his stuff at North Dakota State was off of play-action. It's a perfect scheme fit, and I'm not that concerned with Trey Lance. But he has struggled a little bit in the stuff that they're testing him with. He's taken a lot of sacks, and he's had a couple inaccurate throws. But this is just kind of what you you get as a 21-year-old rookie who hasn't played in a long time. So I wouldn't be that surprised if Jimmy – Garoppolo plays a couple weeks to start the season. But I do think it just comes down to what is Kyle Shanahan's goals for this season? Because I think just like Justin Fields, Trey Lance needs to be out there because he needs experience. He needs experience in the game. And I think that his upside is worth kind of riding the waves that will come with a rookie quarterback. So I think that same thing with Justin Fields for fantasy purposes, I'm still fine in this range, like quarterback 12 quarterback, 13 quarterback, 14, because the ceiling is evident and you can build around, your fantasy draft to play for that upside, even if that upside doesn't come until week seven.
0: Yeah. And look, we're living in the moment and we're so thrilled to have actual games to watch and seeing all these rookies. But I mean, I'll ask you all the the viewers and listeners right now, like, do you remember Cam Newton's preseason? Do you remember Andrew Luck's preseason? Do you remember, I don't know, Jameis Winston's preseason, Dak Prescott's, Carson Wentz's, so on and so forth. No, because as soon as the regular season rolls around, That's, that's what we remember. So like getting like so negative on certain elements of them not being perfect. I again say what we're looking for right now are like difference making plays and qualities to the games. And I think both Trey Lance and Justin Fields have shown that now, I will say Hayden, the public, the drafters, an underdog fantasy right now, they are not being negative on Trey Lance. He has shot all the way up, keeps climbing to quarterback 10. That is rich. I mean, he's going ahead of Matthew Stafford. He's going ahead of the first overall pick in Trevor Lawrence, who you and I
1: have talked consistently about. Again, that is rich. It's rich, but you can build around it. And that's like the, the one thing is I am of the opinion that Jimmy G is going to start maybe all the way through the bye week. And that would be Trey Lance starting like week seven or so. But you can build around it. So it's like two different conversations. Like, is it, when is Jimmy Garoppolo starting? And how much does that matter for fantasy? Because you're not spending a top five quarterback pick on Trey Lance. You can just draft Trevor Lawrence with Trey Lance and then ride Trevor Lawrence early. And then if Trey Lance is the baller in this offense against that soft schedule later in the season, then boom, you just sprinkle him in your lineup. So I think it's the one position where it's very bankable projections early in the season. Like we know, Kirk Cousins in a good matchup early on could put up some numbers. We know that Matt Ryan in a good matchup could put up some good numbers. So you can pair these guys, these high upside and quarterbacks with bankable production Two rounds earlier or two rounds later. So I, I think it's justifiable where he's being drafted, even if we have some concerns w- when they actually are going to start.
0: Yeah. I I guess my biggest thing is that's around the area of some names we're going to get to in a little bit and like Corey Davis, Michael Pittman, Rondell Moore, Terrace Marshall, with where Trey Lance is going. And if you do want to wait into like the the Trevor Lawrence area, that's around, you know, Brian Edwards, Marquez Callaway. Emmanuel Sanders, Jacoby Myers. So I do think there's like a little bit of a give and take that you would have to have to take Trey Lance, but I do understand it. I mean, we keep talking about it. a top five offensive path is there for the San Francisco 49ers. Real
1: quick, Lans. Josh. Yeah, go ahead. It's interesting. If you look at the offensive rookie of the year market, Trevor Lawrence is a certified favorite. It'd be like a plus 350 and then Trent is like plus 800 yet in fantasy. Those two are swapped. Like Trevor yeah. Lawrence going way after. So it's kind of interesting. Like, Maybe if you want some Trey Lance exposure, go go sprinkle in a little offensive rookie of the year take.
0: Yeah, we we have a singular clip on the YouTube channel. Everyone, go and check that out. That we outline at least for me. I'm not going to speak for Hayden, but for me, I, I believe Trevor Lawrence might be the best value of any position in all of fantasy football right now, where he's being drafted as like quarterback 16. Quickly, do we want to talk about these these other rookies? Any um, any points you've had? Any takeaways? Because Zach Wilson, I know a lot of people absolutely have loved his preseason. It makes sense. He looks quick. He's athletic. Um, That backside wheel that he threw on a delay to Corey Davis, like winding down the end of the first quarter Hayden right now, he looks super comfortable and he's not having to deal with as much pressure as a Trey Lance, as much pressure as a Justin Fields. But even when he has like in that moment and a few others, he's just sidestepping, looking super poised and boom, firing daggers down the field.
1: I think the scouting reports on all five of these quarterbacks have looked exactly like how they're playing in the preseason, and Zach Wilson does look really good. We'll see what happens when he faces a little more pressure in the pocket, but right now, like all things look really positive for the Jets. The other thing we have to note is Cam Newton is missing the next five days of practice because of some like COVID test situation. I don't know all the details, but that definitely helps Mac Jones' case to win the week one starting job. Uh, Cam Newton should be ready for the week three game, and I think that will be that game that will decide who's going to be the week one quarterback. But I think that Mac Jones looks pretty good. I think that is at his accuracy is evident. And I think if people would remove their bias, they wouldn't Goalie. say that Mac Jones has some popcorn on him. Like he can throw the ball a little bit. Yes. He might have to step into it a little bit more than others, but he can throw the football at an NFL level. At least in my opinion right now.
0: Yeah. Going as quarterback 34 right now, Mac Jones, as you mentioned, he'll be the starter for the next three practices. Um, and then after preseason week three for all these teams. There's like a week of, or two weeks of practice behind closed doors. I wouldn't be surprised if nothing is announced. Then Mac Jones is just the starter in week one because of everything that's happened uh, behind the scenes that reporters will not be able to see. So definitely, definitely intriguing stuff with all these. We're just lucky. I'm so glad you and I didn't, you know, try to destroy the evaluations of any of these quarterbacks, these rookies, because they're just so much fun. It's a great, great group. Okay. Go to running back and we'll start rapid firing here. Najee Harris, Pittsburgh Steelers' first-round pick, played on 16 of 17 first-team snaps in the Steelers' second preseason game. Hayden, perhaps no player has made me feel more comfortable of their situation than Najee Harris this preseason in regards to maybe what I you know, felt about them heading into it. And now he's going as the running back 13 and seems super bankable in terms of volume in the second round.
1: The volume is just so there. And that's why I'm I'm right there with you. The second round, Najee Harris makes a lot of sense. Anthony McFarland's the clear number two. I think that he needs to be moved way up rankings, especially in best ball later on, because he does seem like he could be a three-down guy if Najee Harris were to miss time. But Najee Harris's role right now is awesome. Like there's very few running backs in the NFL that have this type of workload. And I will say, real quick we talk about like narratives and like, there was like the Deandre Hopkins can't switch teams narrative. That was the Josh Allen accuracy narratives. I wonder if this year's narrative is big Ben is totally dust. And that's not the case. And he has a little bit of a rebound season. And some of the interviews he's talked about how he feels much better. He didn't have to throw a thousand reps rehabbing from his elbow injury. I'm not expecting full rebound, big Ben, but if big Ben plays like he did in the first 10 games of the season, rather than the last uh, nine, 10 games of the season, then I think that Najee Harris could have a little bit more of a ceiling. That's how Chase Claypool breaks out. That's how Juju still has some type of floor. So I, I, I do want to kind of wonder if Big Ben's being just thrown into the to the dumpster maybe a little too much. And it was a double narrative for the Steelers. It was not
0: just Big Ben, but it was the offensive line how trash it was going to be. What if we're just wrong? What if they're a, you know a front five of cohesive unit and you know they allow rushing production to go along with Najee Harris's receiving upside? I wouldn't be shocked if Najee Harris has you know more receiving production this year than like Travis Etienne who everyone you know assumed was going to have a major receiving role because he looks so fluid and immediately you see the vision and and why they drafted him that's still up for debate if it was the right move but for us and this year it's absolutely a short-term win for Najee Harris and if you want to start off with like wide receiver anything like that early on and get your anchor running back in round two Najee Harris is an awesome awesome selection okay Staying in the AFC North, the Baltimore Ravens, J.K. Dobbins played on 10 of 18 first team snaps. Hayden, as you pointed out, Gus Edwards played the other eight snaps with the first team. Have seen some suggestions on lovely twitter.com of a little frustration or concern that J.K. Dobbins, where he is being drafted as running back 15 now, might not make sense. I will say that Hayden, you and I, have been well above ADP for the entire offseason on Gus Edwards, who's still being drafted as running back 39.
1: This split was almost identical to the one the Ravens used late last year. Following the week seven bye, Dobbins averaged 11.3 PPR points. Gus Bus averaged 10.5. So almost identical on basically the same amount of usage. And that's kind of what we saw right here. And we have to remember the Ravens, aren't treating Gus Bus as some average guy. They gave him legit money this off season, like literally just a couple months ago. And when I watched him, he was running up over everybody in this preseason game. So I'm viewing this as not a 50, 50 split, maybe a 60, 40 split. And that makes Gus Edwards a little bit of a value. I think that Dobbins is clearly overdrafted. The other last note I want to share is, I think that we view the Ravens running backs as this like huge workload just because it's a run first team. But last year, the Ravens running backs combined for the 24th most fantasy usage because they were 31st in receptions and Lamar Jackson led the team in red zone rush attempts. So I think that they're going to be very efficient, but that doesn't mean they're going to be top 10 in volume. So I think there's a little bit of a, a difference because they're run first and they want to elevate J.K. Dobbins to something that it just isn't.
0: Let's jump to the Denver Broncos with Javante Williams. Want to start by saying that Melvin Gordon is still sidelined with a groin injury. And because of that, Javante Williams played on 15 of 26 first team snaps. Right now, the rookie is going as running back 24. Hayden, I am having such a tough time this preseason, like trying to grasp the situation because Melvin Gordon is sidelined, especially with those close to the team repeatedly saying that Melvin Gordon is going to have a significant role, but all we've seen so far in the preseason is that Javante Williams has a
1: significant role. Javante Williams looks really good too. He had had a really bad third down drop in this game, but he had a sick blitz pickup, which is something that Nate Tice talked about. That's when you know a rookie running backs are ready because you have to have an understanding of the game. It's not just like willingness and effort and, and just fundamentals. It's also understanding where the blitzers coming from and being on the same page with their quarterbacks. So all that that stuff's very encouraging for Javante Williams. I think he's going to be a better real life player than a fantasy player this year, just because the Broncos are paying Melvin Gordon, the fourth most money of any running back in the NFL this year. And I think that Javante Williams hasn't been playing many third down passing snaps. And that's what Melvin Gordon's the best at currently right now. So this would be a bet RB 24 is a bet on the Broncos offense being better than what we think. And I'm not sure if I'm willing to do that yet. Preseason
0: is great for split backfields. One's with question marks. Let's jump on over to the Arizona Cardinals. Uh, we saw Kyler Murray. We did not see Deandre Hopkins, but we have seen obviously Rondell Moore and AJ green. And that means for the first time, we've also seen chase Edmonds and James Connor. And with that quote unquote, first team offense, chase Edmonds played on seven of nine first team snaps, James Connor, Three of nine first team snaps. Chase Edmonds is going as the running back 28. James Conner as the running back 37. Your takeaways.
1: This was a win for the Chase Edmonds truthers. I will note that they the Cardinals went three and out on all three drives. So we got like zero situational stuff here. Uh to me, it seems obvious that Chase Edmonds is going to be the one A. He'll play all the passing downs. James Conner will be a one B, probably average eight to ten carries, but have the goal line role. And that kind of makes both of them kind of okay where they're being drafted right now. I think they want to give Chase Edmonds this job. We'll see if he has the size to to hold up, but this was encouraging for for Chase Edmonds being out there for um, 75% of their snaps.
0: Yeah, late last week, we named 20 players that we are targeting outside of the top 100 in ADP. Go back and listen to that just for Hayden's pitch on on James Conner. I don't think any of this is phasing Hayden and his approach with that because uh, lots can change. It's a very, very... Long season. And obviously the draft capital is about nine spots different at the running back position. Again, more split backfields. Hayden, I'm not gonna say that Brian Flores cares about the fantasy football community. In fact, if we were gonna rank head coaches, he'd probably be number one of those least interested in us and our well-being. But if I were to hear that he does, you know, keep his finger on the pulse, I would say that Brian Flores is is toying with us a little bit based on the usage. Of the running back position last week in preseason week one, Miles Gaskin played on second downs and stayed in for a very long time with backups. This week, Hayden, it felt like Miles Gaskin was the clear starter of the trio at running back.
1: He was the clear starter. He played most of like the, the first two drives and he scored some touchdowns. I'm not sure if Brian Flores was completely lying about this being a three-man rotation because Miles Gaskin still only played 17 of 35 first-team snaps. And if you look at last year when Miles Gaskin was like an, a high end RB2, he was receiving 65% of the early down work, 81% of the running back touches on third down. And right now, Salvin Ahmed Ach- is playing a little bit more. Malcolm Brown's a little bit more of a threat. So I think right now, the, the, The RB20s range for Miles Gaskin, maybe like RB30 overall, seems pretty appropriate. I think that he will be the starter, but it will be a starter not in the way he was last year where he's like an every-down player. I think this will be a committee with him just leading it. That whole tier, and we're going to have a update, by the way, on our draft
0: guide in the next coming days, but that whole tier of like the... Kareem Hunt, Damian Harris, Trey Sermon, Javante Williams, Chase Edmonds, Miles Gaskin, Travis Etienne. Maybe you can throw a few more in there if you if you wanted to. Hayden, that is going to be difficult to nail down during this preseason stuff. I'm glad we do have three preseason games to try to get a a, a full picture, especially if someone like Dolphins now also want to reiterate that offensive line probably is still gonna suck. You know? Really bad. And so being able to like generate easy yards for the running backs is going to be difficult. I would say if anyone that might hurt Malcolm Brown, but what if Malcolm Brown then also has the goal line role? Like I'm trying to find like the rhyme or reason, the the elements of the offense that we can attach to these running backs as well, because that's going to be very clear. And maybe the success of the dolphins and which running back that means success for, does that make sense?
1: Yes, I, I'm still out on Miles Gaskin just because, like you said, like there's still a lot of moving parts with this. The second preseason game was extremely encouraging for Miles Gaskin, but not super encouraging in the way that it was last year, where he was like literally almost an every down player. Right now, that does not seem like that's going to carry over. I mentioned the draft guide. Boom, here it is. It's in the description down below. Hayden and I are hard at work.
0: Going to have an update out probably tomorrow. It has cheat sheets, top 200, it has positional rankings as well. Players you must draft, players you must avoid from both of us. Ideal drafts and so much more on best ball. And in fact, it's free. And we're giving you $25 to check it out. Just use promo code the show if you want to take a look. All right, Hayden, going back to yours. Boom. Jets time. More rookie running backs. We had Nate Tyson. Nate Tyson was very, very impressed with Michael Carter in terms of his actual running ability. We have not been impressed, though, with Michael Carter's first team usage.
1: Michael Carter still looks really good, though, when you watch the tape. I I think that Nate Tice and myself could both be right in that Michael Carter is going to be better for the Jets and is the best running back and eventually will be the week one starter. And then I also think that I'm going to end up being right where Michael Carter isn't going to have enough touches to matter in half PPR best ball. I think that he is the best running back on the Jets. But he played zero of 19 1st first-team snaps, and he's still definitely undersized, and I, I'm I'm worried that it's just going to be him handling ten carries per game, and that's just like not going to be good enough in an offense that, in if we're being optimistic, is like the seventeenth best in the NFL. So I'm not going to touch him at RB thirty. I have him like in the RB forties. If I miss out, so be it.
0: Running back 30, running back 31 this weekend is around where Michael Carter was going. That's eight spots ahead of a name like Gus Edwards we talked about. That's two spots ahead of A.J. Dillon, who's in that Packers offense. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of other players around that. Tony Pollard, Alexander Madison, so on and so forth. And even Zach Moss, who we're going to talk about with now, who's played 12 of 33 first-team snaps for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, Devin Singletary actually saw more. Backfield snaps in this game with 21. Hayden, it feels like we would want on paper attachment to the Bills at the running back position, but is this just once again that even if you think Zach Moss at running back 35 is a good value or Devin Singletary at running back 44 is a good value, maybe none of them are by the end of the season?
1: The Bills were 31st. The ru- the running backs were thirty first in fantasy usage last year. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary ended up finishing as the RB forty four and RB forty five in half PPR points per game. And this is the exact same split that the Bills used in the wild card round. There's this narrative that Zach Moss was like separating for Devin Singletary. Like, sh- show me any evidence that that was happening in that wild card game. Devin uh, Zach Moss got the the start. But they're backed up on the the it was like they're on their own three yard line. They ran a dive up the middle, and then Devin Singletary literally played the next eight snaps until they got to the goal line. In comes Zach Moss, and then Josh, uh, Josh scores a freaking touchdown. So like, I don't see how they separate from each other unless like one like has an injury or something is unexpected. I don't think that Zach Moss or Devin Singletary are very good. Just like period, based off my eye test, and I don't think that there's any reason for Zach Moss to play ahead of Devin Singletary on passing situations. And there's no reason for Devin Singletary to handle the goal role goal line role over Zach Moss. So like I'm out.
0: Yeah. Brian Dayball and Josh Allen have, I think realized that they don't have to be balanced, you know, like this isn't, you know, 2003 all over again with almost any of these NFL teams where, Oh, we still need to have you know fifty percent run, fifty percent pass. As simple as that sounds, yet we still try to pump up running backs at these spots. And I think you and I, Hayden, when we draft, we have you know two running backs that we feel really good about, and maybe we close the running back spot at the fourth position with like Alexander Madison, who's running back forty-seven, or you know a Darrington Evans, um, who is is running back fifty-nine. Because if that breaks right. With you know injuries ahead of them, then you have a, a tentacle, a root as the number one back on that team. With both of these players, and Zach Moss and Devin Singletary going ahead of them, I still would not feel like supremely comfortable if you know one of the other ones got hurt in terms of them owning the entire market share. And if it if it even is like a productive backfield as well, so I, I would much rather take like the running back insurance and best balls of the Madisons, of the Evans, of the Chuba Hubbards, so on and so forth, rather than in the 40s range, taking a Zach Moss and a Devin Singletary.
1: Yeah, the chart that I'm showing on YouTube right now, the Bills had 16.7 expected fantasy points combined by the running backs per game, combined 16.7. So that's, even if one could, was completely dominating the backfield, it's still like maybe RB2 numbers. So it's just, it's just there's, no, there's just not a ceiling to chase. Yeah.
0: Before we move on, all of you right here. Thank you so much for being here. We are having a great time producing content. Uh, like and subscribe down below. We're a push to 4,000 before week one. We need that. All that love. We appreciate it. And if you want to take us on the go, search for the underdog football show on any podcast platform that you use. Uh, later this week, we have wide receiver and running back rankings as well after doing quarterbacks and tight ends last week. Go search those. Be on the lookout for these. And we have a very special fantasy draft on Wednesday night with The Miz from WWE as well. That's going to be electricity. Hayden, I hope you bring your energy levels, maybe some fire energy or or something like that because uh, that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's jump back in. Xavier Jones Jake Funk who you might also know as the quote-unquote backups to Daryl Henderson with the L.A. Rams, have played nearly equal first-team snaps. I also believe, Hayden, the running back four went out with an injury. Um, again, the closer we get, the more cutdowns that happen. I understand that they've denied this, but, Hayden, I would be shocked if the Rams don't bring in a veteran running back.
1: Neither of them have looked any good. So, yeah, I'm right there with you. I think there could be a last-second – running back that's added but like which which one is like very concerning it was like duke johnson or something like that so uh i think that this is just more bold the more more of a bullish case i have on daryl henderson who's now i moved up to my rb 15 there's that teardrop after the top 14 i moved daryl henderson right to the top of that i think that he's going to dominate on all of the rushing downs get the goal line roll and it's a great way to get exposure to the Rams' offense, which wow. is going to have a massive bounce back in pace and points and everything because of Matthew Stafford.
0: Yeah, you have him as running back fifteen. He's going as running back nineteen. Daryl Henderson is. I think my biggest concern, Hayden, is that they didn't draft him for this. You know, like they had him on the roster. They still went out and got K. Makers. He's kind of just fallen into this feature back role, and he he wasn't you know at the beginning of last year too. I just don't know if they feel like totally comfortable with it. So I, I, I understand. I mean, again especially early on in drafts and early on this window, like getting him at a great value. I do believe that like personal evaluations play a critical part of where you're going to take Jalen Henderson right now.
1: I don't think that he's going to have the three down workload, but I think that he's going to have 15 touches per game and all the goal line work. And then this offense, how good I think this offense is going to be. I think that's going to really, really matter. Uh, he's definitely in a tier below of like your Clyde Ed- Edwards, Hilaire's your Najee Harris is like, he's nowhere near like the round two, but, Early round four, yeah, you can send me up. Nice.
0: Okay. Texans running backs. We won't spend much time on this. Uh there were reports early on in preseason that Mark Ingram might get cut. Well, first team snaps went the most to Mark Ingram this past weekend, then Philip Lindsay, and David Johnson seemingly only played on third downs. Yeah. Why would you draft any of these guys? <laughs> Why would you draft a Houston Texan other than Nico Collins? Because they're all overpriced, maybe other than him. Uh, and finally, Giovanni Bernard has not played on a single first or second down snap this preseason. Hayden, this lines up for what we theorized the reason for him being on this team was because Tom Brady was absolutely sick of throwing the ball to Ronald Jones and then a And so his safety blanket in turbo situations, in red zone situations, on third down situations is Giovanni Bernard.
1: It depends on who you're asking. You're either Victor lapping this because he hasn't missed a third down or you're like me and you're like, well, he hasn't played a first or second down either. So like, what what's the point here? So I think in full PPR, sure. He's going late in your drafts and you want some, somebody to kind of fill in, in your bye weeks. I think that Giovanni Bernard could do that a little bit. But if he's only going to play on third downs only, I just don't see the upside because he needs like two injuries to happen for him to play uh, like a an every down role or something even near that. And this was... I mean, last week he was competing against Keyshawn Vaughn on early downs and they just didn't give him that role at all. So um, I'm viewing this as I don't really care. Giovanni Bernard in half PPR, but I think that for the Bucks and for full PPR, sure, I get it.
0: Before we jump to wide receiver, just quick mentions for you in the chat. Lundar, thank you for being here. ML, thank you for being here. Bob, all of you as well. Uh, people are getting fired up by my Brandon Cooks takes. As always, I would report you and point you towards our our 15 busts for the 2021 season. Hayden is not on this. It's just me. I do not think Brandon Cooks is necessarily going to fit, even though people just say opportunity, opportunity. Uh, I just do not want exposure to maybe like the worst offense we've seen in the last 10 years and one that might, you know, score 13 points a game because you're going to have a spiked weak player. And I just don't think that Brandon Cooks is necessarily that at his price in regards to like an MVS or a bunch of other KJ Hamler stone so and so forth that you can get 50 picks later. But again, that's me not Hayden go and check out the bus video on our YouTube channel. Here we go. Wide receiver time. Hayden winks. Let's start off with a big one. CD lamb has been playing in 12 personnel sets. So two wide receiver sets. Michael Gallup is stuck on the outside looking in, in those formats. Most likely when Amari Cooper comes back and he's stuck on the outside in his alignments Hayden, because CD lamb is getting that usage in two wide receiver sets on the outside. And then in three wide receiver sets, he's going back to the middle of the field. This is all lining up while, despite him being selected as like the wide receiver nine right now, an underdog for CeeDee Lamb to him to possibly have an avenue to break that and be the clear cut, I think, number one wide receiver
1: on the Dallas Cowboys. I'm viewing CeeDee Lamb as the number one in in Dallas right now, because there's a little bit of injury risk for Amari Cooper, but I also think just CeeDee Lamb's an absolute baller. The thing to note here is, Last year, 23 of the top 24 fantasy receivers played on uh, on at least half of their team's two wide receiver sets. And C.D. Lamb only played on 8% of them last year. So this is massive, massive news. It sounds like it's not that big of a deal, but C.D. Lamb playing in 12 personnel absolutely matters. It shows that they're, that he's capable of winning on the outside and that he's going to not come off the field basically at all. So I think this is like one of the more underrated notes is him playing... In 12 personnel, even though we know that Dallas is going to be among the leaders in 11 personnel. And then Michael Gallup only playing one of the snaps in the slot. like There's, a, there's some buzz that Michael Gallup's going to move all over the field. CeeDee Lamb's their best uh, slot receiver. Vertical routes from the slot, not like your traditional slot role. He has just the perfect situation for insane fantasy production this year.
0: And let's not bump my Michael Gallup down because of this. I don't want the audience to do that because he's still going as wide receiver 36. That's still possibly great value for a team. That's going to have an awful defense. That's going to be throwing the football a lot. That's going to have, you know, mostly maybe 60, 70% of the time run 11 personnel. So Michael Gallup still going to see a ton of snaps. So wide receiver 36 still makes a ton of sense. And again, CD lamb at wide receiver nine coming off a rookie season that he played with like Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton and so on and so forth. That seems rich, but Hayden, We look at the names, Devontae Adams, Tyree Hill, Stephon Diggs, Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, DK Metcalf. Those are your top six. I could see him being the wide receiver seven, the wide receiver eight, even in breaking in those top six. He is an unreal talent that can get the easy throws, the difficult ones, and make catches that other receivers cannot make as well in a perfect offense for him. So, yeah, total baller. Total baller. Okay, Jets time. You know, I love it. Corey Davis is absolutely dominating in targets is the headline that Hayden wrote. Corey Davis has 10 targets on just 13 routes run with the first team (laughs) offense. Now, this is with Zach Wilson on the field. This is without Elijah Moore on the field. But Hayden, we have been pointing to Corey Davis for a very, very long time this summer, who is still being drafted as wide receiver 49 all offseason on underdog fantasy, but we always say, follow the money. Yes, they spent a second round pick on Elijah Moore. Yes, they restructured the contract of Jameson Crowder. Yes, they went out and got Keeling Cole. But the most money that they gave anyone was Corey Davis. And this absolutely, this usage has locked him in and should not change and should rock it up, honestly, his ADP at the wide receiver spot by like 10 spots this offseason.
1: Yeah, he's in the perfect situation. Going back to that column I wrote where two wide receiver sets are way more valuable than the three wide receiver sets, and the Jets are going to be among the leaders in 12 wide receiver sets or two wide receiver sets just because that's a classic Shanahan to use a fullback and a second tight end. So Corey Davis is, I think, going to have one of the highest target shares in the NFL this season. I think that he can be moved all the way up into the wide receiver 30s. This isn't even anti-Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore has to earn – his, his role. And I think he eventually will be the second wide receiver in these two wide receiver sets, but Corey Davis ain't coming off the field guys. $27 million guaranteed. Like it's as simple as that. And he's pretty good. Like, uh, Corey Davis, remember he was drafted in the top 10 overall. Like this isn't just like some random guy. They gave all this money to like, we're talking about a guy that's earning more work and he was a small school prospect. He's just like yeah. developing. We, 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 got to like week
0: 14 last year and we looked up and we realized that like, Oh, Corey Davis was starting, wide receiver for fantasy football, like top 36 all season long, yet just the name attached to the production we didn't want. And now he's like the number one player on this team in terms of pass catchers at the moment. I'm still excited about Elijah Moore. Do not get me wrong, but this is also probably team Hayden that is going to be throwing the football a lot. You know, I mean, I also want to bring up Hayden back in May, back in June. I was told never to talk about the Jets ever again. To stop pumping my bags with the Jets, the late stacks that only one player was going in the top 100. And that was Michael Carter. You could easily have gotten Elijah Moore, Corey Davis, Zach Wilson later on. Hey, and I noticed they popped up three or four times in your column today. Your thoughts?
1: Yeah, because I moved Michael Carter down in my rankings and Elijah Moore hasn't played on the field. And the only guy I kept saying every single time you brought the Jets, who's the one name I kept saying? Corey Davis. I was like, oh, they paid this guy $27 million. Who's the value of the Jets? I wonder if it's the X receiver that was dominating in top five in yards per route run. Last year, they gave him all this money. Is the X receiver never coming off the field? I wonder if that was the value. So go check the receipts. I was tweeting about this in July. Get out of here.
0: As a smart person once said, we both might be right. We both might be right. Uh, anything you say about Keelan Cole? I think this might have just been like preseason fodder, Hayden, where they've been wanting to sign him for two years, Joe Douglas has, and now that they've signed him, he's not getting first-team snaps.
1: I think that this is going to be a team where you care about two wide receivers. That's it. The other three will be in rotations, and they will be the third option in three wide receiver sets that's not that valuable of a role. They're not going to even be in that much 11 personnel anyway, so Keelan Cole, James and Crowder, Denzel and Mims, whoever you want to throw out there, it doesn't matter.
0: Let's jump into the Washington football team and offense that we're all excited about. Maybe a little too much, but I'm not going to put and dampen that right now. Uh, Dami Brown, I think made his preseason debut in week one, excuse me, week two, 12 of 23 first team snaps. This was without Curtis Samuel on the field. Um, Hayden, this is another situation that is a bit difficult to grasp. I will say while Dami Brown played, you know, All of his time on one side of the field at UNC, we saw him make plays like across the formation in this preseason week two. I still believe that the plan is for Scott Turner to have Curtis Samuel as an outside receiver and that they're just being a little cautious with him coming back from injury, that they seem totally fine behind closed doors, that he is going to be there in week one. But they might want to force De'Ami Brown on the field somehow.
1: This is just me being, like, overly optimistic on Diami Brown because I thought that he was really good, like, watching his tape, and then all of the indicators from his analytical profile were positive, too. So, I'm with you. They have to sneak him on the three wide receiver sets. I'm not banking on that happening earlier on, but I can see them after the bye week saying, all right, look, Diami Brown's way better than Adam Humphries. We have to move Curtis Samuel into the slot, or at least just in some packages, slide him in there. So, I think that he has the profile of somebody – who you might not start for five, six weeks into the season, but all of a sudden Diane Brown is kind of popping. He might be more of an insurance to one of the top two outside receivers rather than like somebody that you're really comfortable with.
0: Yeah. I want to answer this question from Stout because as he is not on the field each and every week, Curtis Samuel continues to drop down right now, Hayden, he's going as wide receiver 48. I'm buying all of that. I'm buying all that. And, this news and this performance from Dammy Brown actually doesn't do anything in my mind to Curtis Samuel because we have seen Curtis Samuel play you know, 70% on the outside with Scott Turner then 70% on the inside with Joe Brady last season. So in certain personnel groupings, in certain areas of the field, if they want to get Adam Humphreys or Logan Thomas as like two basically slot wide receivers, then boom, Curtis Samuel plays on the outside. They're going to be a bit more vertical, have a bit more size, a bit more athleticism, then boom, you move Curtis Samuel on the inside and have Damian Brown on the outside. So to me, Terry McLaurin and Curtis Samuel are easily, if healthy, going to lead this team in, in wide receiver snaps. And then that rotating piece of Adam Humphreys and Damian Brown might happen. And we still think Logan Thomas is going to crush it at tight
1: end this season too. Totally agree with you. I think all the ADPs on these players are pretty fair. Where Terry McLaurin's a borderline fantasy wide receiver one, Curtis Samuel's more of like a flex option. I, I don't think that Damian Brown's like, uh, ascendant is going to be that negative for Curtis Samuel because he's just going to go slide into the slot too. And like, that's a role that he can have success into.
0: Yeah. I can't remember who posted it, but it was something about like, would we be shocked if Dammy Brown has more receiving exposure or production JJ. this year? Oh, was JJ. Well, JJ confirms my theory that there aren't any good JJ's out there, but that, and I would be shocked. And so would the the Washington football team because they guaranteed him $25 million. Curtis, Curtis was going to play. They're not scared. They're not nervous right now. He is absolutely going to be out there in week one and start in two wide receiver sets and start in three wide receiver sets.
1: I, Josh, Josh, I would this, eat that. I would eat that tweet if it doesn't happen. This is just all good stuff for Ryan Fitzpatrick as your quarterback, too. Like, true. I mean, everything's just kind of pointing like. Perfectly for Ryan Fitzpatrick.
0: Let's transition that to tight ends. Speaking of Logan Thomas, played 23 of 23 first-team snaps. This is perfect, Hayden, because while they might want to use him in line at times, they will also use him in the slot. I mean, this is basically the Turner's usage of Greg Olson on the field, yep. and Logan Thomas being in really his second or third year as like a full-time starter at the position is going to continue to progress, and I think he could eat. Not easily, but I think he could uh, uh, approach double-digit touchdowns this season.
1: He led all tight ends in routes run per game last season. He was the tight end four in fantasy usage, which is my stat that converts targets and how close you are to the red zone and the sideline and all that fun stuff into expected fantasy points. And now he has the quarterback to kind of capitalize on that. He has the, like one of the best roles in all of fantasy among tight ends, just like the, the way they use him. And I wrote a column... And it kind of looked at 11 personnel and 12 personnel, where you want your tight end to be lining up. And the perfect role is if you were in the slot in 11 personnel, but you didn't come off the field in 12 personnel. And when you were in 12 personnel, you were the tight end that was running. Guess who has that? That's like Logan Thomas to a T. So right now, I think that uh, Tyler Higby, Logan Thomas, Noah Fant, those guys, are like I'm pretty comfortable in this mid tight end range, which is scary because a, a very historically bad range. But I think that they all have the role we're looking for. Yeah. Famous
0: last words. We'll say the public is catching up to this Hayden drafters on underdog. He's a tight end seven now. And he was at one point, I think like tight end 11 or tight end 10. Maybe the next one that we need to continue to promote is Noah Fant. Who's going as tight end 10 right now, but may- maybe those like just, you know, skip and jop- jump and hop over each other until, you know, week one does kick off. Uh, let's talk about Mike Kosicki. Mike Kosicki is going as tight in 13 somehow still I know that Will Fuller and Devontae Parker were out of the lineup in preseason week two. Jalen Waddell was in and out with a knee injury. So glad he got back in there. Mike Kosicki ran a route, as you write, on 68% of Tua's dropbacks. Last year, it was 73%. Such a different, and I don't want to undersell this, such a different dynamic at pass catchers this season on paper for the Dolphins have versus when Mike Kosicki was like the tight end seven overall last season and what he was dealing with around him.
1: Mike Gesicki's in a very defined weird role, which is both good and bad for fantasy. Yes, he runs he runs a ton of routes from the slot; that's very valuable. But he's not playing in the the twelve personnel, the running downs because they put in like they added a couple tight ends this off season. So I think that Mike Gasicki is going to be more of a spiked week player because he's just such a freak athlete. And there will be some game scripts when the Dolphins are down a couple of touchdowns and then Mike Gasicki's not coming off the field. But I think when Like the low-scoring games, Mike Gesicki is just not going to be running enough routes comparatively to last year. So I think that he's going to be like a high-end, tight-end two, more boom-bust than he was last year because of the target competition.
0: Always trying to find late-round, tight-end values. For some, Blake Jarwin was that, at tight-end 24. For others, it was Dalton Schultz, tight-end 34 because they wanted to be attached to the Cowboys. Hey, they're splitting time.
1: I don't know what to do with this. I think that this is maybe a little bit of a product of Blake Jarwin coming off of ACL and they don't want to give him the full workload uh, in the preseason. They gave Blake Jarwin a four-year $22 million contract last year. I think that they want him to win this job. Maybe it takes a couple weeks for him to separate from Dalton Schultz, but this role is extremely valuable because we want pieces to the Cowboys offense. But not only that, the Cowboys offense uses their tight end a ton in routes. Dalton Schultz last year was third in routes run per game. That is insanity. And I, I think that they've had top 10 fantasy tight ends at back-to-back years. So I think that the winner of this is somebody that we want to monitor. And even though they're splitting time currently, I still think that Blake Jarwin's going to kind of separate maybe a couple weeks into the season, but I think that he's still a tight end too worth, worth targeting right now.
0: Continuing on with late round tight ends, Anthony Ferkser tight end 22 played just four of seven first team snaps Hayden, I don't think that this is really changing our perspective unless your perspective out there was he was going to step into Jono Smith's role. I don't think that is going to happen. I think he's going to keep exactly the same role that he had last year. And that means Ferkser is going to be lining up in the slot a ton and being maybe like their
1: traditional slot wide receiver, basically. Exactly right. So he'll be useful, but I think that he maxes out as a streamable tight end too. If you look at the last five years and look at who finished in the top eight among fantasy tight ends, 98% of them finished uh, at least half of their routes and 11 personnel and 12 personnel. If you only play one or the other, that's not good enough for upside. Currently right now, Anthony Fergster does not play any of the running down stuff because they don't trust him to block. And they have some other guys that are pure blockers. But when the Titans are in negative game script, He's going to be out there in the slot and running those routes that we're looking for. So he's just going to be somebody that's very dependent on game script. And ultimately he just doesn't have the ceiling of a Hunter Henry or even a Blake Jarwin, just because those guys could be every down guys. Anthony first is just not.
0: Let's close this out with the Pittsburgh Steelers and their tight end situation. Let's not forget that Eric Ebron is on the team, but I also want to bring up that since Cal Pitts went as, you know, the number four overall pick, we forgot about the second tight end selection. This past April, and that was Pat Fryermuth, Hayden. He's going as tight end thirty-two right now. I think that should probably be jumped up and bumped up a few spots. I know they have three wide receivers that they like that we like, but I wouldn't be surprised at all, especially especially if that offensive line struggles if they run a bit more twelve personnel.
1: Yeah, and they'll play from under center a little bit more just because the the new OC and Fryermuth. They're they're using him as the move tight end, which is both good news and bad news for his fantasy production, but. He looks really good, and I think that he was just kind of slept on throughout the process because everybody was so obsessed with Kyle Pitts, rightfully so. But Pat Firemuth is like a pretty explosive player, and I thought that his tape was pretty awesome. I ended up giving him a late first-round grade on Pat Firemuth, and I I wouldn't be that surprised if by the second half of the season he's just outplaying Eric Ebron in in some packages. So I I don't think it's going to matter too much for fantasy, but I think in Dynasty all things are pretty positive for the rookie.
0: All right. Before we get out of here, all of you, thank you so much for tuning in. Like and subscribe below. Need every single one of you to hit that like button. Be sure to that you're subscribed because our main goal here is just to help you win this season. Hopefully that's an underdog. If you're new, use promo code the show, get a free $25 that you can use on preseason. pick 'em. maybe 20 X that sucker if you want to, or go and try to win the $1 million puppy with five entries or a $3.5 million prize pool, $1 million to first place in best ball mania Two. hayden and i are going to get to work on our free draft guide again that is also in the description below we'll be back here at least on wednesday with running backs thursday wide receivers wednesday night mid draft like and subscribe anything else before we get out of here hayden
1: where are you ranking jamar chase in your update i have him as my wide receiver 29 i moved him down uh i think that the wide receiver 22 price tag was assuming that he was going to be A a locked in stud the player right off the bat, and the Bengals were going to be high up in neutral pass rate. I'm not believing those quite as much as the market. So, like, this isn't like an overreaction. I think, like, wide receiver 30 seems about right to me.
0: Just what piece of evidence and what piece of information gives us the right, the reason to draft Jamar Chase at wide receiver 21 or 22 so far this offseason? There, There has not been a single one other than like Amari Cooper and maybe some other rookies once they entered the NFL. Jamar Chase is easily the highest drafted rookie in our fantasy football recent memory and this is not the situation that i want to draft that in right now it's just not
1: yeah he's also only going to be playing in, in three wide receiver sets just because of what the bangles use it's just much harder for him to earn targets compared to justin jefferson where he was literally just him and adam Thielen running routes so i think yeah i think it'll end up being like wide receiver three flex more than like a wide receiver two but this is like famous last words but i think that there was like some reasons to actually kind of Kind of dropped. I mean, everything. It's it's the freaking Bengals ultimately.
0: It is the freaking Bengals, and this is just again wants me to draft Tyler board where he was at wide receiver thirty six, but now at wide receiver thirty two. So he's the one who's climbing up. While Jamar Chase and T Higgins, T Higgins is is very consistent. Hayden, where he's going is wide receiver twenty two. In fact, he has flipped. With Jamar Chase.
1: That's Real quick, good. I agree. This comment is talking about uh Jamar Chase didn't play last year and like some of these struggles are, are expected. And I for totally sure. agree. This is not me writing off Jamar Chase, it's a price thing. Like Jamar Chase was priced a next to uh, a bunch of studs that we've seen in the NFL. There's a little bit of uncertainty with, with rookies. I mean I get shooting for the stars, but I think that wide receiver 22 is assuming a lot of things are going right. And I think some some more information we learned from training camp, I think that's justifiable to move them down a couple spots.
0: For sure. I mean, Jamar Chase is being drafted right next to Cal Pitts right now at 47 overall. That's ahead of Deontay Johnson, Adam Thielen, Chase Claypool, Jerry Judy, Odell Beckham, Kyler Murray. I mean, I keep going on and on. So, like, 47 overall is very, very different than 106 overall where Trey Lance is going. So, there's like a, you know, a give and take there with value. yeah, We'll talk about that a lot during our wide receiver show.
1: Yep. Perfect.
0: All right. Thank you, everyone. Appreciate you subscribe. See you Wednesday up the damn Villa. Talk to y'all soon. See ya.